60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice, taking the mystery and the intimidation out of every facet of the financial industry. Robert helps us avoid the tricks and the traps that are designed to take our money. Now, today we've got a great, very informative show. And again, this show is not about Harvard economics. This show is not about the World Monetary Fund and stuff like that. The show is about you and me. The show is about you and me, the people that make the paychecks each and every week or twice a month or monthly. Anyway, what do we do once we have earned the money? There's a total disconnect in our society, and there has been in in generations. I think ever since the Depression, we still didn't learn a lesson there. We're not teaching our families and our kids about the economy. So what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about the fact that if parents have certain habits and spending trends, will their kids have the same ones? All right. We're going to talk about the need to get back into real estate, into housing, now that the industry is back. We're going to talk about how our kids look at their allowance and how they look at luxuries in this day and age. We'll also talk about the fact that if you don't think you have enough money to own a home, well, you know what? You could be totally wrong. You keep dumping thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year into renting when you could be owning your own house. That's just some of the things we'll talk about today at Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer. And unless you're driving or elsewhere distracted watching the kids, maybe go ahead and go online and open up SavingThousands.com. SavingThousands.com. Well, Robert, you know, they've always said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And in this case, I think we're talking about the family tree. I think that what we do, like father, like son, I think like parents, like kids, I think that we set an example for our kids in a lot of areas. And one of them we need to think about is money. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that today, uh, you know, kind of looking at, you know, how we can, uh, how our bad habits, you know, how what we do every day in our lives affects our kids. I'm guessing there aren't a lot of uh, listeners to the show in the, I don't know, let's say the under 18 bracket. There may be a couple out there, but you know, most of what's listening to us here on talk radio is parents. Uh, and so it really is, it's our responsibility, uh, you know, as adults to, to lead the next generation, to lead the future generation. And that's, that's one of the big things that we're, we're focusing on here on the show. It's one of the big things we want to tackle here on the show. Uh, and so this, this I think is a great article on there. It talks a lot about kind of the, the way that kids pick up on our bad financial habits. Uh, you know, one of the, the big things on here is to educate your friends and family. That's a big kind of pillar of the show uh, and something that I really need people to focus on. And so I want to just take a minute and kind of go over this great article. Uh, this is something that Caleb uh, from the Saving Thousands team put together. And, uh, you know, just uh, as we go through this, you know, our, our kids obviously have a lot of financial struggles struggles ahead of them, right, Rob? You know, they're, they're going to deal with uh, student loan debt that is just a mounting problem. We've talked about this over and over again. Uh, it really is the next subprime mortgage meltdown is coming via the student loan industry. Uh, so we see that happening. Uh, then you've, you've got buying a home, which which is tougher than it was. You know, it, it's it's easier today than it was five or six years ago, but it's tougher than it was back in the boom. But what's really going to make it tough for that generation is the student loan debt. Uh, you know, previously, mortgage guidelines allowed uh, mortgage companies to not count deferred student loans mm-hmm. in people's mortgage payments. So when we're calculating, when the mortgage company sits down and says, okay, how much house can Rob Newton afford? Uh, if you had student loans that were deferred, that did not have a payment due in the next 12 months, uh, the mortgage company could ignore those payments. The mortgage company did not have to count those against you, which would help you qualify. Well, that is now changing. Uh, And I think this just shows kind of how big of an issue student loans are becoming, uh, that that FHA, Federal Housing Administration, who would previously allow those student loan payments, if they were deferred for at least 12 months, to not be counted in the ratios when qualifying for home, they now have to be counted. That actually takes effect in the next 30 or 60 days here. Uh, so they see this as a mounting problem, uh, and so this is going to make it even tougher. And and when you look at the age of when most children are approached about student loans, uh, they really have no clue about money yet. Right? I mean, they, they have no clue about credit scores or debt or how any of this stuff works uh, because we're not teaching them. 
You know, you think about it, you graduate as a senior in high school uh, and you decide you want to go off to college uh, and all of a sudden these people start handing you what in your mind is free money in the form of student loans. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a lot of people use this money to live off of, you know, that they, they use it for dorm payments or food or books, everything, including tuition, uh, not realizing that, that all that money has to be paid back. And I, I've met with so many people who find themselves in the situation. They say, man, if I'd really understood, you know, I, I, I use that, I use some of that student loan money to eat out. You know, I use some of that student loan money to, to have an, an apartment off campus and I could have lived in the dorms for free on my scholarship. Uh, you know, these types of decisions were made because they didn't understand the long-term implications. They didn't understand what it really cost to pay that money back. Uh, and this is where we do our kids a huge disservice by not talking to them about money. And, uh, you know, this article, again, if you go to savingthousands.com, uh, you can click on the link there. And, you know, other things they're going to face, you know, starting a family, buying vehicles, right? Everything we do as soon as we get out of the house uh, seems to revolve around credit, <laughs> right? But it's something we don't talk about at all leading up to that moment. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of this old thing where, you know, Rob, it's taboo. A lot of parents don't want to talk to their children about personal finance. They don't want to talk to their children about how much money they make or about where money goes or how money is spent. And it's just this kind of idea of, well, we're going to give them an allowance and let them kind of go do their thing. Mm. And, and until we open up and until we break the taboo, you know, one of the greatest things that my mother did for me, you know, we, I didn't come from a wealthy family. She was a single parent, working mom, you know, worked hard to raise me. But she really opened up our financial situation to me at a young age. Uh, and I remember she brought home her paycheck and she laid it out on the floor and really showed me where it went. You, know, you start with this big stack of money. and You're like, wow, that's the most money I've ever seen in my life. This is, <laughs> wow, mom's rich. Uh, and then as you start to see that, well, this much goes to the mortgage payment and this much goes to the car payment and this much goes to the government for taxes and, you know, this much goes to, you know, gas and food and, and lawn care and, you know, groceries and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden there, there's no money left. And, and it really, you know, opened my eyes at a young age. Um, you know, I remember times when, uh, you know, we, we were struggling to pay the electric bill. And I remember, you know, literally sitting on the floorboard of her car and counting change. Uh, so that we could stick it in the Lakeland Electric, uh, you know, they had like one of those bank teller things where yeah. you like paid through a tube. And I remember <laughs> counting change in the floorboard with her to, to like make up the amount we needed to, to send this all flying through the, I don't think you're supposed to put change in there, but we did because it was like after hours and we had to pay it or the electric was going to get cut off. Like I was probably nine or 10 and I'll never forget this, but it totally shaped my views of money. Mm -hmm. and, and where I think a lot of parents would say, Oh, well, you know, that's not fair. She should have protected her kid from that. Her kid never should have known that was happening. Her kid never should have known, you know, that there were financial struggles. You know, we need to protect them from that. Well, what I think we're really doing is we're, we're setting them up for failure. We're giving them a false sense of, of, of how the real world works. Uh -huh. and, and so where, where she did something I think a lot of parents would disagree with, that, that's probably one of the earliest memories I have related to finance, but it really shaped who I am and it pushed me you know, to be who I am and to learn so much about personal finance and money and interest and credit uh, and everything else. Um, you know, as a single parent trying to raise me, she, you know, there was a lot of credit card debt, you know, uh, credit cards, you know, filled some of the gaps when there were times, uh, you know, when, when we couldn't keep up. And so I, I saw how that worked. I saw that mounting, you know, interest debt. And, and, and as I got a little bit older, maybe in my early teens, you know, she opened up to me about interest rates and, and balances on credit cards and all these things. And I got a really clear picture. You know, we did that exercise to see how much of that money was going toward the credit card payments. And it wasn't reducing the balances. You know, this was back, you know, 20, 25 years ago when, when the minimum payment was barely enough to cover the interest, you know. And, and so all that stack of her paycheck that went toward credit cards didn't do anything to reduce the balances. And it was just this ever-revolving cycle of debt. And so, again, this is something that I learned at a super young age. And so as I got older, as I got into my late teens, as I, you know, as I started to set off on my own and look at, you know, where I was going to live and what kind of credit cards I was going to have, I was super conscious. I was very conscious of how this worked. And I was very dialed in and in tune with how it worked. And it was one of the greatest lessons I learned. And I really attribute a ton of my success uh, to that, you know, to, to being exposed to some of our financial hardships and the truths about money and the realities of money at a very young age. Uh, and, you know, and this is a decision for each parent to make. I mean, to the, the level that you want to include your child uh, in your personal finance is obviously your decision. But I, I would challenge you to push the envelope a little bit because what we have seen and what we continue to see with generation after generation coming out is that they are not prepared enough. So what we are doing, what you are doing right now, the amount you are talking to your child about personal finance today is not enough. And it's clearly not enough because of the student, the student loan debt, the mounting student loan mountain out there that's just getting huge. Hey, if you're just tuning in, 
You're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And we opened the show talking about parents and the example that we set for our kids. And if you missed that, here's the good news. You can always hear it again by going to savingthousands.com and click on radio shows, and you'll be able to listen to this show in its entirety on demand. Anytime you've got a few minutes to listen to Saving Thousands, you'll know that you can simply go to savingthousands.com, go to where it says radio shows, and you'll go right to the shows by topic. You'll be able to pick out what you want to hear. Also, you can also go to the all new, get this now, a Saving Thousands app on your smartphone. Absolutely free. I've got it on mine. You should have it on yours. If I'm going along in the car, or maybe I'm laying out by the pool, you know, whatever it is, if I just want to hear some interesting conversation and not the same old music and not some political rant on radio, but I want to listen to something that's going to help me with my money, well, I want to listen to Saving Thousands because I love what we do with this show. I'm a part of it, but I'm also a listener. I'm a consumer, and I've learned a lot that's helped me with my credit score, with my economy, and you can too. So the Saving Thousands app, you simply go to your Play Store, whatever kind of phone you've got, maybe it's an Apple, maybe it's an Android, whatever, go to your Play Store and just put in the search engine, Saving Thousands Radio, Saving Thousands Radio. And this will be downloaded onto your phone, and at any time, you can simply go to your apps and hit that Saving Thousands app, and on demand, the shows are listed right there. So you're never far away from RP funding. All right, now let's get back to the show. So Robert, one of the things that really is a little bit disconcerting right now is that people are still uncertain since the fall, since the crash, since the housing crunch of 2008, no matter what we want to call it. So we need to get people back into real estate. Now the big investors are back into it, the hedge funds are back into it, but we need to convince people that the problems are over. Many of the problems have been readdressed. There's new ways to get mortgages. There's new guidelines. There's new real estate guidelines. So it's time to get back on the horse. Yeah, so this article talks about uh, these big companies who were snatching up houses. And I kind of want to talk about this in two different facets. One, Rob, is you know everybody thought that when they quit buying homes, because they're still buying, but not quite at the clip they were, uh, and there was this big fear they were going to sell the homes, right? And when they sold the homes, it was going to crash home values. Mm-hmm. You remember this, Rob? This was oh, yeah. this was the big panic, uh, you know, because the idea was, well, these guys have to make money, and and so if they bought all these homes, and now the homes have gone up in value so much, well, they're going to turn around and dump the homes. They're going to sell the homes and glut the market, and, and they're going to flood the market, and they're going to ruin home values. It's it's going to be a disaster. And this was this was probably the the warning alarm eighteen months ago, right? But these guys are, are too smart for that. So here's here's the two things that they knew. Uh, one, they recognize the number of people right now who, for whatever reason, just want to rent. And and I think that this whole rental mentality is a, we'll call it a hangover effect from the crash. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a lot of people are, are still either stuck because they can't buy yet because of a past foreclosure or a past short sale uh, you know, they lost a home and haven't been able to bounce back quite yet. They haven't met the waiting periods imposed by the, the government-sponsored enterprises who run lending, uh, which is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Jenny Mae. And uh, so that, that's the first issue. And then the others is people whose lives were affected, right? So, you know, people who saw mom and dad go through a bad spot, you know, maybe, you know, people who have a brother or sister who went through a, a bad spot because of housing. And so there is still some skepticism and fear on beyond the part of the consumer and the general public. Now, who is not skeptical and who is not afraid of of, uh, of housing is is big hedge funds and and Wall Street in the market. And and so what these guys did was really brilliant uh, for a couple of reasons. And that's what we're going to talk about. So they they purchased all these homes, right? And and then the fear was, well, these are these guys are doing this for a profit, and they're probably going to sell the homes. And when they sell the homes to take their profit. Uh, we're going to have this big crash in home values. Well, these guys were really smart. And what they figured out is instead of selling the homes, right, instead of selling the homes back to families, they would sell securities backed by the homes, (laughs) effectively borrowing against all the future profits of the homes. Now, let me tell you, there's a couple reasons why this is brilliant. 
Uh, one, because they do own and continue to own so many homes, and then they're buying homes all across the country. They buy in different markets at different times. They were really hot in Florida for a while. They've kind of hit a saturation here, so they're buying more in other parts of the country. Uh, but what they recognized was if they turn around and resell all of these homes, they would affect home prices, right? Mm-hmm. Which would impact their own pocketbook. Their own portfolio. Right, their own portfolio. <laughs> they, they would be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Number two... The income tax implications of selling those homes at a profit is huge. They would have to pay income tax on all of those gains. Well, guess what happens, Rob? When you borrow against something, it doesn't trigger a tax event. That's right. Right? And, and, and so and so here's what they, they figured out. So if they sold the homes, it would lower home values, which hurts their own portfolios. If they sold the homes, they would own a big chunk of the the income to the IRS and Uncle Sam, and they didn't want to do that because these are greedy Wall Street guys, and they don't want to give up a dime of profits. And then on top of that, there's huge demand for rentals because a lot of people are scared to buy, think they can't buy, or just aren't. A, some really can't. Some think they can't, and some are just afraid to. Right? That's what's going mm-hmm. on. And so there's this huge demand for rentals. And so they, they, these guys were smart. And so here's what they did: they didn't just borrow against and securitize the current value of the home, Rob, they securitized the future value of all the rental payments they're going to receive. Okay. I mean, this is, this is, this is brilliant stuff. I mean, this is, this is high finance stuff. And so what happens now is they actually can't sell the houses because (laughs) they didn't borrow against the house. They borrowed against the future value of the rental income. One so point. they've got to they've got to keep it so they can get that rental income to fulfill what they securitized. Wow. So the risk of any of these homes going back up for sale has basically been eliminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 think about this. I mean, this the size of this offering. When you look at how much money, I forget what the article said, Rob. It was it was a, a ridiculous amount of money. This this securitization, I think they said, was twice as large as their last one. So yeah. they did this once about a year ago, and they and they got a bunch of money. And now they've done it, and they've doubled the amount of money. And these are huge, huge numbers, which shows that Wall Street believes in what's happening in American housing, right? And, and these guys believe in what's happening in American housing. And what's going to happen is is when the when they fulfill the the income stream that they securitized, right? So that they securitized the next three years, five years, seven years worth of uh, rental income into these securities to borrow against it. Once that time period has elapsed, they still own all the houses, right? Wow. You know, and mm. so and they're going to turn around and do it again. So th- to me, this is just a clear, clear indicator of what an a, amazing investment, what a great investment housing has become again. There's a lot more financial empowerment coming your way as we save thousands with Robert Palmer. And I hope that as you're listening to the show, that the thought has crossed your mind that in your world, in your friends, maybe your workplace, maybe your church, you know of somebody, perhaps even in your own family, and maybe even you, that gets to Wednesday of the week and wonders where all the money went. Say, man, wow, I got paid on Friday and we had a fun weekend. And then we worked Monday, Tuesday, and now it's Wednesday, and we're out of money, but we're not out of week. How often does that happen? And if that happens to you, you're kind of leaning toward being a financial zombie. You know, you're letting everything in the outside forces kind of direct you, and you're not proactive. We need to get proactive when we talk about our money. And that's why Robert Palmer is on the air with us every day to help you, to give you the tools, not to scold you, Not to point out bad things, but to give you positive information, easy to follow rules like the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. It's all right there for you, but all you have to do is listen, read, and learn. It's not hard to do, and you will take over your money. One of the things you can take over is if you have equity in your house, and you might think about a refi. Maybe you've heard of refis before, and you've thought, well, maybe if I refinance my home loan, there's several thousand dollars there that are my money. That's not the bank's money. That's your money. But you need to put it to work. It's just sitting there. You need to make it work, and you need to do that with discipline. And Robert Palmer can teach you how to do that. We have articles that's saving thousands about that. We have info modules dedicated to refis. So there's many reasons that you might want to refinance and use that money to pay down your loan, to pay down the number of years on your loan to pay off high interest credit cards, 
But again, you've got to use that equity to your advantage, but use it wisely. So it all comes down to that. Well, let's talk about this for a minute. You give your kids allowance. Did you ever ask your kids what they think about that weekly allowance besides the fact they don't think it's enough? Have you ever asked them about that money? Um, you know, allowance. A lot of parents kind of look at the allowance. I think the allowance in a lot of ways is a cop-out. Um, I, I think it, I think it's good that the, the kid is given some kind of money, but if you look at the scale it's on, uh, you know, and it, it may start to give some kind of bearing of spending. But I think for most kids, allowance has become just pure luxury spending, right? Like it's like, well, we're going to take care of all your essentials. So this allowance is just for you to go blow on whatever you want. Kind of an entitlement. Right? <laughs> yeah. And where, where it, I, w- I would think a better way would be, okay, well, here's your allowance. And out of that, you have to pay for your student lunches, you know, or out of that, you have to pay for school clothes or books, you know, put some type of essentials in there. Because if the allowance is purely discretionary spending, right, who wouldn't want that? I mean, I would love for someone to come to me and say, okay, Robert, we're going to pay all your bills. We're going to feed you. We're going to take care of all of the essentials so you don't have to worry about it. And then we're going to give you this slush fund on the side that you can go spend however you want. <laughs> you know, that, that, that doesn't really teach money responsibility. Uh, I think we, we could all live very happily like that. Most of us don't struggle uh, with our slush fund. We struggle with the basics, with the essentials. We struggle with making sure the bills get paid. Uh, and so I think if you really want to set up some type of allowance system with your kids, I'm for one that includes some type of basic necessity charges in there. Thinking this is tougher for parents. You know, it's like, well, hey, if mom makes you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to pack to school, we're going to take 50 cents out of your, your piggy bank, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you, you know, if you go buy a school lunch, I don't know how much that is today, a couple bucks, you know, or if you go, if it's the summer and you go up to a restaurant with your friends and you spend 10 bucks, you know, these are your choices. You can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich made by mom for 50 cents all the way up to you going out and blowing it, whatever. But, you know, this is going to start to teach more responsibility than just, okay, well, here's your allowance and you get to spend this on junk. Um, you know, try to bring back some of that allowance into necessities because when you look at our budgets, you know, what percentage of your spending every month, Rob, is on necessities versus junk? The oh, bulk yeah. of it's necessities. I'm telling right? you. Right? <laughs> you know, but, but these allowances just teach our kids how to spend the money on junk. Uh, and so I think the other thing, too, is to kind of discuss with the, the kid, hey, you know, here's your allowance. You know, how do you think you're going to spend this? You know, and, and, and two, it's, it's kind of cool, Rob. You can see from an early age if, you, if your kid is, is naturally inclined to be a spender or a saver. Right. Right. You know, so I've got some friends with kids and, you know, some of them will just hoard that allowance. You know, they, they get that and they just tuck it away somewhere and save it up for the big purchase. And then you've got other kids who it's like they get 10 bucks and they're going straight down to the store and blowing it on complete garbage. There you go. You know, so I, again, there are some merits to it, but it's not just about handing them the money and seeing what they do with it. Uh, when, when you're handling all the essentials, you know, there's, there's got to be some, some charges in there. There's got to be some more lifelike, reality-like things that go in there because the whole point is we're trying to build good spending habits. And good spending habits uh, start with the essentials, taking care of the essentials first uh, and then, you know, moving. And the other, the other thing I think is kind of interesting is so you'll have parents that they'll give their kids an allowance, right? And then the kid wants something that they can't afford with their allowance. So now the parent, you know, probably bends and gives it to them or, or maybe tells them no. But what, what I don't think anyone's doing, which they should, is nobody's loaning them the money, right? So you want to buy a $300 Xbox and you don't have the money. That's fine. I'll loan it to you. And you're going to pay me back with interest out of your allowance. And now we've got a great lesson coming down the pipe in how credit works and how borrowing money works. Well, you don't have the 300 bucks today. I'll give it to you. And you're going to pay me back. $10 a week or $20 a week or whatever out of your allowance. And they may say, well, well, dad, that's, that's two thirds of my allowance right there. Well, yeah, that's, that's how credit works. You know, you want to borrow the 300 bucks today from the bank of, of dad to buy that Xbox, you know, and, and you're going to pay me back out of your allowance with interest. And so that Xbox that you just bought for 300 bucks is going to end up costing you 400 because you're going to pay me back a hundred dollars in interest because the bank of dad has a very high interest rate. You know, again, think about the, the opportunities we have to teach our kids these lessons at a young age, and we're just, we're not doing it, Rob. And this is, Amen. you know, this is something big. You know, one of the books I've got coming out next year is going to be on personal finance for children, and it really gets into these nitty-gritties and, and, and the plans and the little things we can do uh, to try to make, to try to make the, uh, teaching our kids about finance a little more realistic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's my gripe. With, my, well, my first gripe with the school system is that a lot just don't have it at all. But then those that do have it, it's not realistic. It's, it's archaic. You know, it's not, 
again, it's the, it's the equivalent of giving a child an allowance that's only for, you know, for the slush, for the junk, and not having them learn any responsibility or have to worry about the essentials. And a lot of the schools and, and any type of financial literacy out there doesn't get into the real world, doesn't talk about, you know, the pain points. Well, if you borrow this money today, here's how much you're going to have to pay back. If you can't pay it back, here's what's going to happen. You can cause seven to ten years worth of damage. Most people have no idea, right, how long a bad decision with a credit card or credit can haunt you, you know, until it's too late. You know, I meet people all the time that they're trying to purchase a home, and because of some, some mistake they made three years ago, five years ago, you know, when you're, when you're 25 and you make a mistake that's going to haunt you until you're 30, right, or you're 23 and you make a mistake with credit that's going to haunt you until you're 30, these are big. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, that, you know, when, when you're in your 50s, 40s, 50s, five, seven years isn't as long. When, when you're talking about 23 to 30, that's a big chunk of your oh, life yeah. gone at that age, affected by an inability to get credit because you have bad credit because you made, you know, bad decisions, right? And, and you know, the other big thing is really talk about, you know, talking through purchases with the kids, both on your side and their side. You know, well, here's what we're going to purchase as a family, and, and here's the decisions and struggles we had to make. Here's why we want to do it. Same thing with the kid. Hey, let's talk through why you want that Xbox. You know, and is it really worth two-thirds of your allowance for the next 12 months or you know, however long it is uh, in order to pay for that? You know, what, what's it going to take? What kind of sacrifices are you willing to make? Because that, it's always trade-offs, right? I mean, that, we, we can afford pretty much anything we want if we're willing to make the right sacrifices. You know, if, if I'm willing to go get a roommate and, and live in a two-bedroom apartment and, and, and cut my rent down to a couple hundred bucks a month, then I could afford a whole lot more over here. If I want a really nice house with a big mortgage payment, then I'm going to be able to afford a whole lot less over here. And so there's definitely this give and take and sacrifice, and, and our kids need to know about it. Our kids need to understand it. Our kids need to understand and, and be moving toward becoming financial ninjas at a young age. And I told you, Rob, my, my kind of vision is I want a world where the same way an 8-year-old can pick up an iPad and, and, and do stuff with it that amazes their parents, I want them to be able to, to talk about credit scores. Yeah, you know, and, and recite the the perfect credit mix of revolving accounts and installment accounts and proportions of balance, you know, revolving limits to high balances and you know, and average age of accounts and 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 to know and and say, you know what, if I get that credit card, it's going to hurt my credit score, and I don't want to do that. You know, to understand these concepts at a young age so that they are prepared and empowered, and when they walk onto that college campus or they get that call from a student loan company, you know, that they're very conscious. Of. All right, Robert. Hey, you know, throughout the show, I've been talking about the radio show, SavingThousands.com, the Saving Thousands app. Now, besides the website, we have two more websites I haven't even talked about. One of those is called Real Prospector. Now, Real Prospector gives you a lot more insight as to the real estate industry. It gives you a real insight as to real estate companies, what makes them run, what makes for a good real estate agent. And we do that in the ways of articles. We do it in the way of interviews. But Real Prospector has even more than that. There are many, many articles that if you are interested in buying a home, maybe you're a current owner and you want to know more and more things about ownership, transcending on to rentals, whatever it might be, even selling your home. Well, or passing that home along to the next generation. These types of questions, these types of articles, radio shows, recordings, interviews are all available in a site that is being updated each and every day called Real Prospector. You're going to love that. Give it a look. It's very modern. It's easy to navigate, but it's really, really written for everybody to understand easily, and you'll get an insight into an industry you may not have known much about except for there's a sign in somebody's front yard. Okay? Another one that I want to talk about just for a second here is called A State of Eyes. A State of Eyes ends with a Z-E. All right? A State of Eyes is a really, really cool in our genre, I don't know what the kids would call it now, but it's really aimed at the millennial generation, aimed at the people who maybe they saw the crash and they're not sure what housing is all about. They're not sure what the activities are that would bring you to get a home, the advantages, so to speak. Well, that's a really good website. Again, updated every day, nice articles, well-researched articles, and written by some people who know how to put the real punch into very few and very concise words that are easy to understand. Well, Robert, I was talking a while ago during the break about refinances, but we can't refinance until we know the value of our home and 
Right now, we've got too many companies jumping to the fore to tell us that they are the ones with the true value of our house. Well, I mean, a lot of times, they're not giving us a true value. They're just harvesting our name. So tell us about a way that you've come up with no obligation, no real estate list, but really a great, great tool to use to find the value of our homes. Yeah, let's talk about the home value hotline, Rob. I mean, that, that's a good thing to bring up. So, you know, obviously mortgage is a big part of this. And, and I would say that mortgages are the best leverage piece. You know, if I go back and look at my kind of credit history where you can pick up small victories, you know, you pick up how many times am I going to get married? Once, mm-hmm. right? So the, the the ability to to get an engagement ring on credit and invest the money in the market uh, and make money, that's not, a, you can't do that over and over again, right? Right. And usually they're smaller ticket items. Usually, you know, when you get a, a 0% interest rate card, it's five or $10,000. There's an opportunity there to pull some arbitrage, but really the, the big win is on the mortgage, you know, and, and being able to leverage your mortgage to truly accomplish your goals. And, and so one of the things that, that I want people to figure out and that we're going to teach them how to do over the course of these shows is to kind of figure out what their blended interest rate is, right? Like, what do you, what's kind of your interest rate? If you take all of your, all of your debts and we load them into a, uh-huh. a little formula and we figure out kind of what your blended interest rate is, like what you're paying. And that's like your pulse. I mean, that, that's how healthy you are. You know, if, if you've got, if that number's in the 15s and 20s, you've got a serious problem. Big time. If that number's in the threes, fours, fives, you're doing really, really good. Right. And so to look at this number and then understand that the biggest ticket on there is your mortgage, you know. And so knowing how to appropriately use the mortgage uh, is key. And when people come in and say, well, you know, we're going to pay cash for a house. Well, why would you do that? Why would you not borrow money as cheap as it is and take the arbitrage? Because at some point, interest rates will be higher than they are today and you'll be able to take advantage of that difference. Rates will uh, not rates. Rents will continue to go up. Rates are going to go up, too, but rents will go up. Right. And if you've locked in today's payment as other people's rents are going up, going up, going up, uh, you don't have you know, you've got that money. You've got that money locked in. And so the, the key to this is the equity in your home, right? This is one of the big pieces that, that you can take advantage of. So if you're sitting there and, and one of the big pieces are if you currently have a lot of credit card debt or high interest rate debt, whether that's in the form of, of student loans that weren't made under favorable terms, if it's credit cards, whatever it is, if you've got debt that's under unfavorable terms and, and is above this kind of benchmark of where interest rates should be, uh, re- paying that off is key. And so there's a couple ways to pay it off. Uh, one, you can just pull the money out of your budget, right? So, hey, dear, we're not going to eat out as much. We're going to, you know, I'm going to buy cheaper gas for the car. We're going to carpool. We're going to do whatever. We're going to not take the toll road. We're going to take money out of other places, and we're going to use it to try to pay these debts off sooner. Uh, another way is is to tap the equity in your home through a mortgage and use that money to now take a 29% interest rate credit card and wrap it into a mortgage in the threes or fours, and then on top of that, the mortgage interest is tax deductible. And so you get another 20 to 30% discount depending on what tax bracket you're in. And, and these are the types of strong financial arbitrages you have to make. So there's two key parts to that. One is you have to know, do I have any equity in my home? How much equity do I have in my home? And that's where the home value hotline comes in. Uh, because as we look, as, as, we, as a smart consumer, as an empowered consumer, we have to understand all the players. We have to understand all the pieces, right? Rob, imagine if you sat down to play chess and you didn't know what the pieces did. Right. I mean, so so I'm, I'm playing chess against you and you know what the pieces do. And I don't. I have I have no chance of winning. I mean, the, the deck is stacked against me. Checkmate. It's not you don't have to be a good chess player. It's simply that you understand the rules and I don't. Mm-hmm. And so as a consumer, when we sit down and look at our financial situation and we try to make good decisions and we try to plan things out, we have to know what the pieces do. We have to know the rules to the game. One of those rules, one of those pieces is understanding the value of the largest asset in your life, which is your home. So if you own a home, that's a piece you have on the board. That's a piece you have in the game. And if you don't know what that home is worth, if you don't know what the home's worth in today's market, you don't know what the home's worth since the market shot up and the market crashed and the market recovered and housing's been all over the place. And if you don't know what that home is worth, then you don't understand all the pieces on the board. And so a lot of people were using these online free estimating services to tell, you know, to try to figure out what their home is worth. And they just don't work. They're not accurate. By their own admission, they're not accurate. And so that's where I came out with the home value hotline. And so the purpose of the home value hotline is for everyday regular people. You know, see, if I want to know what my house is worth, Rob, I pick up the phone and call one of the thousands of real estate agents that I do business with. And I say, hey, can you tell me how much this house is worth? That's the best way. Right? You know, I've got, a, I've got a beach house up in the Jacksonville area. If I want to know what it's worth, I call one of my great agents up in Jacksonville and say, hey, can you run a, can you run a home valuation for me on this house? Mm-hmm. You know, or I've got a bunch of rental properties over in Polk County and I call one of my great agents in Polk County and say, hey, can you guys tell me what your home is worth? 
the average consumer doesn't have access to that, right? They don't have that type of relationship. And so in order to level the playing field and give our consumers, give our listeners, give the average person out there listening to me right now on the radio access to the same types of resources that I have to know what pieces are on the board and what those pieces do, I created the Home Value Hotline. And that now gives you the power to do the same thing I do. You call the Home Value Hotline, and that same group of agents that I would have called personally to find out what one of my houses is worth is now going to tell you what your house is worth. Okay, and that's what the home value hotline is all about. That's why I built it. Trust me, I don't go look on Zillow. I don't go look on eValues. I don't go look on 123homevalue.net to find out what my house is worth. I call one of these agents. And now through the home value hotline, you have the ability to do the same thing. It's all about me taking the resources I've figured out, the tools I've figured out, and sharing them with you. So if you're listening right now and, and you're trying to figure out your game, you're trying to figure out the best financial moves you can make, maybe you've got some credit card debt, maybe you don't. Maybe you want to sell your home. Maybe you want to upgrade. You want to downgrade. You know, if you've got too much house, guess what? A great financial decision is to downsize. If you need more house, the sooner you do it, the better, because you can get in at lower rates and you can get in at lower prices. Homes will continue to appreciate. Mm -hmm. If even just at the, the inflation rate, home values, home costs will be more in 10 years than they are today. So if you think you may need a bigger home in the next five to 10 years, the time to act is now to maybe sell that home, to look at buying that next home. All of these decisions can only be made by understanding what your home is worth in today's market. So to find out that number, to find out if the time is right to sell, if the time is right to buy, if the time is right to refinance, if the time is right to cash out, all of these things that you need to know as an empowered consumer to play the game requires a home valuation. And that's where the home value hotline comes in. Rob, give them the number, tell them what they do. And now when you call this, it's not a live person. No one's going to try to sell you anything when you call in. You know, we're going to, it's a recorded message of my voice. And I'm going to say, hey, you've reached Robert Palmer's Home Value Hotline. You know, leave me the property address of the house and your name and phone number and email, and we'll get you your home valuation in 48 hours. And then what happens is we then send that out to one of the same agents that I would call if I wanted my own personal home valued, and we have them call you. And they call you, and they go over the, the value with you. And they walk you through it, and they don't just say, 128, click. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's what the online system does, right? You're like, that's what's right. my home worth? 128, click. And, you know, they're not just going to hang up on you after they give you the number because you can be like, well, hey, uh, why is it worth that? What, what can I do to maybe increase that? Hey, uh, if I did want to sell right now, what, what's the market look like? How long would it be on the market? What kind of cost could I expect to pay? All these different things, all these questions can be answered by the live human being expert who calls you back that the server farm, the online ehomevalue.net can't tell you. And you can do that by calling the Home Value Hotline right now. Leave a message uh, on that recorded line. This is the most low-tech piece of equipment out there. And we are doing battle with with uh, billions of dollars worth of servers in California. <laughs> and so tell them how they reach the Home Value Hotline, Rob. All right. It's 866. That's toll-free from anywhere. The Home Value Hotline. No obligation. 866-NO-COST. 222-8231. 866-222-8231. And Robert, I'm not sure where you found that old answering machine that's over there on your desk that takes these calls. But I'm telling you, I had to replace the tape the other day. eBay. Yeah, so Amy bought it on eBay. And and so initially we used like a, initially we used a really like, well, not high tech, but we used like today's voicemail box things. And I decided that we needed to downgrade and we needed to use the the least high tech, the lowest tech technology. And so we went on eBay and we found this old dual cassette uh, answering machine recorder thing. And that that's what's now giving the most accurate home access to the most accurate home valuation uh, in all of Florida through the Home Value Hotline. But it works. It, wor it works. It works because it's got a human being behind it. You mm -hmm. know, the person who calls you back is the same expert I would have called to find out what my house is worth. That's powerful. He could have sold the house right down the block, so he knows your neighborhood to where the big algorithms machine in California or wherever does not know that. 866-222-8231. It doesn't know the school district, Robert. It doesn't know That's where it. the beltway's going. It has no idea what's happening in that quadrant of Tampa, Orlando, Melbourne, wherever we are today. Yeah, I would tell you, if you think you're going to sell your home anytime in the next 18 months, call the Home Value Hotline right now. Find out what your home is worth. Have a great conversation with a real estate agent with no obligation and no pressure to find out maybe things you can do to increase your value, improve your value, to prepare to sell. I feel like a lot of us know, hey, in the next 18 months, we may have to move. Little Johnny's going to be a little older. We got to be in a different school district or the kids are graduating from high school. They're going off to college. We can downsize. So I would say, you know, we've talked about I built the home value hotline 
uh, to help you understand the pieces on the board. But the other piece of that is if you know you're going to be selling your home, if you know it's going to be time to upsize, downsize, sell, relocate, whatever it is in the next 18 months, call the Home Value Hotline right now. Figure out what the home's worth. Start tracking the trends. Start understanding the forces in your neighborhood that affect home valuations. Understand how selling during one time of year versus another time of year can affect your value. And you can have these conversations. You can understand all these things by picking up the phone right now, calling the 24-hour recorded home value hotline, and letting me put you in touch with a local real estate expert who's going to give you that free home valuation and access to all the information you need to be a smarter, more prepared consumer when you go to sell that home over the next 18 months or when you go to refinance your home or go to do anything else related to real estate or home ownership. You live finance. Does it amaze you that at any given time, any person on the street can tell you how much money they've got in their wallet or purse, how much money is in the seat cushion, how much they owe on their credit cards, how much their car may be worth, but they have no idea what their home is worth. They probably haven't checked it since before the crash. Well, or worse, Rob, they think they know what their home is worth and they're they're using wrong information. I mean, that's mm-hmm. so again, you know, when you go to some of these sites, the in like a hundred point font, they give you the number 128. And then if you look down at the very bottom in like a two-point font, it's like this number is wrong two-thirds of the time. I mean, it's it's insane. And so people are working off of wrong information. So you've got people that just don't know, and they should call and find out. Mm-hmm. Then you've got people who've got wrong information, which is even worse. Because, I mean, they, back to our chess analogy, now you're playing chess, and I think the pawn can can dominate the game, and, and it's almost worthless. <laughs> you know, wrong information. I mean, not, not only not knowing the rules, but being fed wrong rules which is what these online websites are doing to us when it comes to home valuations is stacking the deck against you. I mean, if we're playing poker and, and you know, I think that, that one pair beats everything. And so I throw away my full house or I throw away my flush because I'm trying to make one pair because I think that's what beats everything because I'm dealing with wrong rules, wrong information. It's the same thing as not of thinking you know what your home is worth and not. And if you're assuming if you're guessing, if you're, oh, the house over there sold for this, or Zillow tells me it's that, don't. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. Pick up the phone and call the Home Value Hotline. And here's the number for that Home Value Hotline. It's 866-222-8231, 866-222-8231. Or, in all confidence, and again, no obligation, nobody's going to put you on any kind of a calling list, you could text in and request your home value. To text, simply get out your smartphone, go to the texting feature, and right there where it says contact or address or name, put in 35353. That's 35353. And when you put that in the contact, then drop down to the writing area and just put in, I'd like my home value. This is my address. All right? guarantee you you're going to get a return text or a call and they're going to give you the information you need and that is where it ends because that is the agreement robert has made with these people in the real estate industry is they're not going to try to hound you into anything they're just going to furnish you the information that you've been asking for and then there's one more way and that's at savingthousands.com are you getting a common denominator here savingthousands.com if you look at the top of the right-hand page, you will see the homepage, that is. You'll see a place where you can click to say Home Value Hotline. Up will come a form, totally confidential. You send that in, we'll get it to you, and you'll know the value of your home. Now, Robert, I want to turn people's attention for a minute to the fact that there are tens of thousands of people who are becoming empowered every day through the various services and tools offered through your companies. It's a great way to give back. You are paying it forward. But here's something that we've got to do, a mission that we've got to undertake. And that is too many people are still living in the mindset of the housing crash of 2008. They don't think the real estate industry is back. They don't think that owning a home is even possible for them. When we know, you and I, that those that are paying rent each and every month have a very, 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 very good chance of owning a home or very little, if if not zero down, and lower payments than they're paying today. But they've got to believe. They've got to find out. So let's talk about that. That's right, Rob. So, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're talking about tricks. You know, in the first half of the show today, we talked about rule number seven, uh, own real estate sooner, not later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really am, am pleading with our listeners. Uh, if, if, you think, if you think you can't, if you don't believe you can buy a home, 
uh, I want you to call and I want you to, to get pre-approved, right? And so when you call in 855-773-8634, uh, the phone system is going to tell you to, I think it's press one to, to go on the air and press two to talk to a loan officer, maybe back, maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. It'll tell you when you call 855-773-8634, go ahead and press the number to be connected directly with a loan officer. And they're going to tell you whether or not we can get you approved for a home today. Uh, Jim's going to help his daughter buy a home. That, that's an uh, amazing thing to do. Uh, I'm always a fan of home ownership above renting. You know, I own a, a number of properties myself. I, I do think there are times when renting is appropriate, but but in the long haul, uh, everybody needs to own real estate sooner than later. That is the new rule number seven. Uh, we talked about rule number five. If you know their tricks, they don't work, uh, which in this case, we're talking about probably my the biggest trick on my, my radar right now, which is this, this burying the credit card disclosures. Uh, by forcing people to go online, right, Rob? It's uh, it's just uh, it's so amazing uh, how how tricky and how smart and how crafty these these big financial services companies are. They don't want us to have knowledge. They don't want us to have information. Uh, you know, and, and they will spend tons of money to protect their position. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I really think I, you know, I, as much as I hate to say this, I really think they're going to fight me on my whole financial literacy campaign. Uh, so for any of you who don't listen regularly. I'm in the process of putting together a, a big campaign uh, to try to raise awareness and and increase uh, and actually include financial literacy uh, in our school's curriculum. And uh, this is just something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I believe that if the next generation is armed with uh, the knowledge about finance and, and credit cards and credit scores and student loans and mortgages and all the things we talk about here on this show at a younger age, uh, that they're going to be that much more powerful of a generation in the future. And, uh, you know who doesn't want this to happen, and that's the the big the same guys that are hiding credit card disclosures, that's right? right. That's I mean, right. if they're willing to invest all this money in building out mobile apps and online portals just so they can hide knowledge from from their their customers, you know what are they going to do to try to shut me up and, and hide the knowledge from a whole generation? And uh, I'm ready for the fight. I mean, uh, this is important enough to me, uh, and, and uh, you know I've been blessed in my success in life that I can afford to take on a project like this and not worry about the repercussions from the big financial services companies. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here to fight for the consumer. I'm here to fight for the next generation of consumers, the next generation of uh, potentially financial zombies, right? And we got to wake them up. And the earlier we can get, and really where this hit me, Rob, is I was watching a friend's kid play with their iPad, yep. right? And, and and so I watch. I watched my grandmother try to use an iPad I got her, uh, you know, and, and, and she's, she's brilliant. I mean, she's, she's in her 80s. She is brilliant, but she's just afraid of the technology, right? She's just not comfortable with it. It's not that she can't do it. She's absolutely smart enough. I mean, she's one of the smartest ladies I know, uh, and she's absolutely smart enough to do it, but she's got this idea in her head that, that, that she can't do it, that the technology is not for her. She's got these self-limiting beliefs. Uh-huh. And then you look, at a, you look at a five or a six-year-old who – who was zipping around on the iPad like there's absolutely no problem at all, and it's because they got comfortable with the idea of it. They got comfortable with the idea of the technology at an age when they did not yet have any self-limiting beliefs, right? When we're young, we think we can do everything, right? You know, uh, teenagers think they're the smartest people on the planet. Uh, This is the, the whole idea. So we need to capitalize on that by introducing our youth to the concepts in financial uh, literacy, the mm-hmm. concepts of credit scores, the concepts of interest, the concepts of money and leverage, when they are young enough to believe that they can do anything, so they will believe they can master this, right? A lot of people I meet, Rob, they say, Robert, I, you know, I can't do what you're talking about. Well, guess what? As soon as they try, they realize they can. Yeah, they can. So they have this self-limiting belief that they cannot. When I convince them to actually give it a try, they realize it's not as hard as it sounds, but we have to overcome this whole idea that we can't do it, where our kids don't have that idea. They believe they can do anything. And so if we can integrate financial literacy, if we can integrate knowledge of credit scores and knowledge of interest rates and knowledge of borrowing money and loaning money and leverage and how to pay our bills on time and how to take advantage of banks and how to not fall into the trap of credit card debt, while still using credit cards to our advantage, if we can instill all that in our children when they are still at an age where they believe they can take on and do anything, that is the key to the next generation not being financial zombies. And so I realized this when I was watching uh, like a six-year-old play with an iPad, you know, Uh because they were super comfortable, because they never believed they couldn't. They never hit the point where they said, oh, that's new technology, I can't do that. Oh, this credit score thing, that's too complex, I can't do that. But that's exactly what we face today. 
uh, the majority of us think, just like my grandmother in her 80s thinks that that iPad is too difficult to master, even though I know without a shadow of a doubt that she is smart enough to do it. I can't convince her of that. I, she thinks she's going to have to practice and learn and take lessons at where the six-year-old just picks it up and fiddles with it until it does what they want it to do. And, and that's the exact mentality and mindset that I want our next generation to have when it comes to all things personal finance, all aspects of financial literacy. And the only way to do it is to get it at a young age. And so if I can get it into the schools, that's what I'm fighting for. And that's what my mission is. Mm -hmm. If I can't get it into the schools, I'll go some other route. But I am going to figure out a way to educate and bring financial literacy to our youth. So when they grow up, they don't deal with these issues. They can't be taken advantage of by big financial services companies. They know to shop around, right? They know rule number one. They are going to shop around for everything related to financial services. They're going to know their numbers. Rule number two, they're going to know their numbers like the back of their hand. They're going to know their numbers like they know a video game score, right? Rule number two is going to be that important. Rule number three, they're going to wait three days before major purchases because that's just the way they'll have always been taught to do it from a young age, right? They're going to have all the rules ingrained in them you know, they're going to they're gonna want to own real estate sooner, not later, and build the wealth that creates. They're going to want to know the tricks so they won't work anymore. They're going to want to do all these things. It's going to be a natural ingrained part of their life because they're going to be taught it at an age before they have built up all these self-limiting beliefs and all these self-limiting doubts, and they're going to be a generation of financial ninjas. And this is my mission. This is my calling. And Rob, this is, the, this is what I'm here to do. I am here to, you know, I'm on the radio to educate... Uh, all of us that didn't have that when, when we were kids, but I'm also here to fix that problem mm -hmm. so that when I'm gone and I'm not here on the radio in, in 60, 70 years, you know, to, to tell people how to fight the system, they're already going to know because they'll have been taught in schools or when they were younger. And, and that is how we beat this problem for the long haul. So make the phone call again, have the conversation without obligation. 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. Simply know that customer service and confidentiality and positiveness is what you're going to run into at the Robert Palmer family of companies. From the time that the people at the very front reception desk take your call or greet you at our entrance, you're going to notice something totally different. You were expecting a staid, very, very uptight mortgage company. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. How about coming to mortgage professionals who are doing it a new way, who become friends from the time that you reach the lobby and you're greeted by a licensed mortgage professional, you're going to feel a warmth. You're going to feel a welcomeness and you're going to be talking to people who care about you, who are not going to talk down to you about a bill you missed two years ago. That is not the case. Just make the call and you'll find out that maybe you can't buy a house right now, but you'll get the information on how you can get to where you can. And it's very easy to just make a few tweaks and twists here and there, not paying some big company to change your, or you change your credit score. You don't want that. You want to be able to use the tools that you've got right here. You want to be able to use the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. You want to be able to call the number 855-773-8634, have the conversation, and get the encouragement and find out that the American dream is there for you. And all along the way, you'll be saving thousands with Robert Palmer.